Hi everyone, this is Eric and welcome to the Borderlands podcast. We have a couple of special episodes coming up for you guys this week, next week, and the following week. We're actually releasing three weeks in a row, not every other week right now. But the episodes we have coming are a little unique compared to what we typically have. So as I've mentioned a couple episodes ago, I went on a trip to Los Angeles this summer to study cities, engaging cities, and encountering them and bringing the gospel to them in a full manner. At the end of that course, as a part of my final project, I actually recorded some audio journals of reflections, and I wanted to share those with you guys. So this week, next week, so this episode and the following two are going to be just me reflecting on my time in Los Angeles and how that pertains to life here in Detroit. If you don't live in Detroit, I do believe that these are concepts that matter anywhere. Um, but if you do live, live in Detroit, I do think these are also ideas and concepts that are going to be even more pertinent and uh, applicable to where we live. Lastly, I do want to say that as this was a school project, there are some references to works or materials that um, are not given a lot of prep as we typically do when we refer to something. That's because they were works in the course, something read or something seen. So the reference was understood in common language at the time. So if you were interested in learning about one of those works, a book or a TED talk or anything like that, reach out to us and we will give you any of those links or you know, any of the information you need to make that happen if you want to follow up on any of those things. Again, follow us on Instagram, uh, follow us on Lava, interact with us. We'd love to know your thoughts on this, on these next three journals. And to conclude, I want to say these are written and recorded in order. So they do build on each other. That is not typical with our podcast either, but weeks one is a foundation for week two. And both of those are foundation for week three. And I talked about that at the beginning of the first recording as well. So welcome to some unique episodes of the Borderlands podcast. Hope you enjoy. Hi, this is Eric Croft. And for my final project, I'm going to be doing three audio journals that kind of comprise a mixture of the immersion experience in Los Angeles, all of the reading and um, videos I've watched and some of my own experience as it pertains to taking next steps in my own community in Detroit. So I wanted to actually divide these three journals up into three different topics because I believe they are progression. Um, so what needs to happen step by step, but also to keep a little bit of organization going. So this first one is going to be about redefining. And I believe in Detroit and the suburbs, particularly Southgate, we need to redefine a handful of things. My second one is going to be about listening and the actual specific act of listening to our community, listening to the Lord, listening to other people and leaders. And then the last one will be about care and advocacy. And that is the actual like, not the actual first step. All three of these are steps, but the first one that I think I actually wanted to jump to. I wanted to start with what well, we need to be advocates, but the reality is that we have to take a couple of steps first in order to do that properly. So the first thing I want to talk about is redefining. I think we need to begin by redefining our understanding of the gospel. So not redefining the gospel itself, uh, but redefining our understanding of the gospel. Altazan's 
book on whole and reconciled was so good in discussing this. I love chapter four when he talks about false and half gospels. I really, really resonated with the half gospel discussion uh, that he gave about how the gospel is all about the Easter story and the Christmas story. And those are true. I actually, before I read him, I actually mentioned that in a sermon a couple of weeks ago and how our community wants to respond with, well, we need to focus on the gospel. If there's a disagreement or if there's something politically charged or our church is actually part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And in some of those meetings, there are different discussions being brought up and a lot of the dissenters often respond with, well, we need to focus. We need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And then you respond with, well, what's the main thing? And they say the gospel. And they're not wrong, but what they're incorrect about is their understanding of the gospel and that trickles down uh, and is a part of our church as well and how our church often looks at the gospel as Jesus came from heaven. He was fully God, fully man, lived here, uh, performed a ministry. You know, that's where we get the gospels. And then he died, rose again and ascended to heaven and he'll come back for us one day. And the gospel stops there. It doesn't begin there. It ends there. And I I really appreciated uh, Tazan's interaction with this because I think if we are ever going to move beyond where we are, we must redefine the gospel for ourselves. And we must redefine it to include everything that's a part of this, everything that is in scriptures. It's not just the Christmas and Easter stories. Those are the beginnings of a much deeper understanding of life and reality uh, that comes from that comes from Jesus. A, a quick example of this is our pastor often gives the statistic that there are 52 verses in the Bible about living without, or 300, sorry, 300, not every week, it's every day, 365 verses in scripture about not living in fear. And, you know, the point is there's one for every day. Uh, but then actually in my other class with Dr. Salvatier, she points out how there are between 2,000 and 3,000 verses about caring for the poor and God loving the poor and reaching out to the marginalized. But that's never talked about because it's not part of our understanding of what is included in that gospel. So we need to begin by redefining that. Second, I think, is we need to ask the question, what is leadership? Peter Block, in in his uh, book, Community, I think he does this sometimes directly, but I think he does it very well indirectly, discussing what leadership is and isn't. And I I think we lean into that. We have one person, and we're going to follow them, and that person will point us to Jesus. And I don't think... You know, our leader is a bad leader. I think he's a good leader. But I think Block's point is that under this model, you can only go so far no matter how good your leader is. And I think we need to redefine this um, to including raising up citizens. And I would even add raising up congregants. Because I, I think within the church proper, we need to begin to have this, this vision, this understanding of church and community that is not just... I attend and I participate in programs and I go live my life, but it's, when I say holistic, it engages all of me, but it also engages all of my life. Like my whole life is a piece of the church. My whole life is my Christian understanding. My interaction within the church building and within the community is a part of my Christianity, a part of my faith, a part of my interaction with Christ. And in chapter five, Block talks about raising up citizens. And I think this is where it begins for us. We need to begin in the church to be raised up as congregants and in our community to be raised up as citizens to 
exact our power, uh, which I'll get to later on. But we need to start there and then also lean into possibility. In chapter six, he talks about leadership as not just vision casting, but discussing possibility as citizens. So possibility led by people and how this is not just I'm a pastor and I know how to point you to Christ or I'm a I'm a mayor and I know how to point you to a better life as a citizen. But as a community, we can point to the life that we believe is possible so that we can all walk there together. So we need to uh, interact with what leadership is and discuss that as well. So a few more questions that kind of came to me is asking the question, who is the other and is there an other? So over the last couple of weeks and months uh, since we were in Los Angeles, I've been pondering this idea of the other and how so often we pretend there isn't an other as a way to mask what we're doing to those that we marginalize. Uh, I bring, I remember the uh, time in MacArthur Park where we were all standing and praying and a man walked up to our group and a few of our classmates just started talking to him. And they weren't trying to be disrespectful <laughs> to our professors, but they just started talking to him because he wanted to be a part. And it was really beautiful. And I think in that moment, it's like in my head, it's this kind of spectrum where you start with, there is no other as a way to mask majority minority realities as a way to mask conversations of skin color as to a way to mask conversations on power and economics, all these things. And then you move into who is the other. And I believe that's a good step. And I believe that's kind of where I've been is recognizing who is the other and who is not. And I, I think that's a positive step. But I think if we stop there, it's actually a problem. I think we need to swing back to that first question, but hearing it in a different way that there is no other. God has created all of us. So that, that second question that who is the other, like it is a positive question, but I still think it has that majority understanding. It's I Like they are not me. And even if I'm caring for them, loving for them, I'm still not reaching that potential of relationship because I've not redefined all of us as one body, as one community, as one family under God, children created by the creator. And I, I think that is something really important for all of us. We're, we are a majority white church. And when I say majority, probably 85 to 90%. And you could probably believe that it's 95 to 100% if you come on a Sunday because we have uh, a Spanish ministry that actually meets, we say, down the hall from the auditorium. But on any given Sunday, if you're not there probably 30 minutes after our, our main gathering ends, you probably would just interact with people who go to the main gathering. You don't go to the Hispanic gathering, the Spanish gathering. And that's, that's important to know that in this way, I feel like we've kind of shifted to that second question, like who is the other? And we've recognized, yeah, there's a large population of Mexican-Americans and Spanish speakers in our community, so let's make a space for them, which is good, but we still haven't swung all the way to the end and recognizing that we are all the same people. We're still living by those defining terms of race, place, understanding. So recognizing that there shouldn't be an other 
we, we should all have level playing field in personal and communal power. I know Dr. Romero probably has a lot of a lot of things to say about that. Uh, I know in his understanding, uh, talking in Brown Church, he talks about how those who are brown, as he describes them, it's not just a skin tone, but it's also this recognition that there is no power. They were never seen as harmed and they were never seen as powerful. So they're still stuck in the middle. So I think we do experience a little bit of that here in our community. And we need to redefine that. I think we need to ask the questions, what do we have and who are we? Too often our community being outside of a major city center, we fall into the the consumer culture. We don't create as much, or if we do, it's creation on a tiny scale, or I would call it more of a re-manipulation of other created things. So I'm going to you know, buy these things at a store to decorate my house in a way that is creative, but in a way it's also just manipulating what another part of the culture has created. And that's not totally bad, but I think we often need to recognize that we have more power, we have more ability, we have more than that available to us. So we need to ask those questions, who we are, and that bleeds into these last two questions. What is Detroit and what is Southgate? So Detroit is our like heart city. Southgate is the city that is a little bit south of that that I live in. And in answering those, I think we need to recognize that Detroit is a postmodern city. We just don't know it yet. Uh, when Jude was talking about L.A. being the first postmodern city and the Chicago school not making any sense and how LA was growing and how they needed to solve problems. I really resonated with my own city and how Detroit, it, it kind of grew the opposite direction. So greater Los Angeles, I, I know all these cities kind of grew into one and they became one. Detroit was the opposite. It started with the core, but then it didn't grow out into suburbs like Chicago or the idea, but it, people left the city and made their own cities around it. And then they grew and became one. So it is very interesting, but I do believe it is that postmodern city model. And that's important because there's a lot of identities wrapped up and intertwined, but also there's a lot of friction because these cities aren't isolated. They're, they're not separate. And that really does play into our identity. There's a lot of pride and there's a lot of dissent within our like Metro Detroit community. A lot of people love directly where they're from but they don't want to love all of the place where we are and some of that comes from how we were created as a city and some of that also comes from just the, the culture of well we came here and we need to be here we don't want to go backwards backwards to the city backwards to connection backwards to growth so i think that's really important and, and that is where we get to southgate this so it's it looks like a suburb but it's its own city it feels like a suburb to a lot of other places, but it, it's its own. It was developed on its own. It, it's the city. It's about 10 miles south of the heart of Detroit, only only a few blocks away from the city line. But it, I define it as a self-interest community. This community was actually made, developed, and grown out of self-interest. Now, I know a lot of cities are developed that way, and that is kind of important. You know, you don't want... To build a city based upon caring directly for another city to your own detriment so that's not what I mean but it's the idea that Detroit wasn't good enough so I'm going to leave 
not go very far, but I'm going to leave and make something else that's different. Or Detroit was too black or it was too foreign. There was too many international people, whether it be in Mexican town or in Dearborn or what, whatever. I'm going to go and develop this own thing. And I think part of what we need to redefine in Southgate, if we want to make this a larger metro conversation, is we need to move from individual to communal. In Becoming Whole, on page 47, they talk about their, or they have their illustration of what biblical, a biblical view of human beings should look like. And they have like the whole person, so mind, affections, will, and body. But they talk about how that connects to the self, how it connects to God, it connects to creation, and it connects to others. And I think too often, those, especially in my own community, focus on self and God, and they don't talk about creation and others. And even in that, they don't get to all four mind, affections, will, and body. But we need to move from this idea of God loves me right where I am to, yeah, God may have planted me here and he may want me to be here, but I'm not a flower in a pot. I'm a flower in a field. I'm one of a million lilies in this field. And together, like we do things together, we grow and we need to, so we need to shift from individual to communal. So those are the things we need to redefine here in our community, how we understand the gospel and leadership, how we see others and how we view ourselves, what we have and who we are. It's not all meant to be just me. It's not all meant to be just for my immediate, when I say immediate context, you know, within a a mile of myself, it's meant to be for God's community, God's people, God's children those who accept him and know him and those who don't know they're his children. We, we need to move from that self to that community thinking.